encourage you to take your Bible as we come to the Word of the Lord this morning, open to the book of Proverbs. Last week we began a short series in the book of Proverbs. On a flight to Florida, there was an educational psychologist. He was busily preparing his notes for a parenting seminar that uh, he was about to conduct at a major university there in Florida. Next to him in the seat, there was an elderly lady and um, she began making small talk and he didn't want to be rude even though he was extremely busy and so he, he talked with her there for a little while and he asked why she had been in Boston and she replied that she had been there visiting her children. She had uh, ten children and uh, 18 grandchildren and six great-grandchildren. Then she inquired what this man was doing, what he was planning to do in Florida. He told her about uh, what he what he does and about this seminar, and then he waited for those inevitable questions seeking free professional advice. Instead, the lady picked up her needlework and said, well, if you need to know anything, don't hesitate to ask. You know, becoming a parent is relatively easy, but being a good parent is likely the toughest job you'll ever have. And if you're like most parents, you're wondering where it is that you can find good, reliable, trustworthy guidance for parenting. Last week, we began this study in Proverbs, and Proverbs covers a wide spectrum of subjects and topics. But it could be argued that the prime subject, the prime focus of Proverbs is parenting. As Solomon takes pen in hand and he seeks to impart and to dispense wisdom to his son, which by the way we noted last week that wisdom simply means skillful living, living skillfully. And so... The reality is this book of Proverbs ends up being, I think, a divine-inspired resource, a treasure trove for parents who are looking for help in how to parent well. And so I would be remiss if in this series on Proverbs we didn't take at least one morning, which we are today, and talk about this subject of parenting. There are few things truly more important, few things that are more significant that should matter more to us than the next generation. The stakes are huge for each child, for each family, for the church, and for the kingdom of God as a whole. It's imperative that we raise up a next generation that follows our Lord Jesus. Today we're obviously just going to scratch the surface of this subject here in Proverbs, but I I hope that that just this brief glimpse will encourage and equip all of us to be more engaged and uh, to be more effective in pointing the next generation to Jesus. As we come to our text this morning, I've asked you to turn to to, uh, Proverbs 4, verses 1 through 13. Before we actually look at that passage, I want to call our attention to probably the most well-known, most famous verse in Proverbs on parenting. We find it in Proverbs 22.6. I'm sure you've heard it before. Train up a child in, in the way he should go, 
And even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Four little things to note in this little parenting gem, this marvelous verse on parenting. First thing he says, train up. The, the word that's there, train up, literally means to, to dedicate or to dedicate from the beginning. It was used of dedicating a house or it was used, uh, for example, when, when the temple, the Jewish temple was dedicated, it used this word, to dedicate something from the beginning for the purpose for which it was made. To get them started on the right foot, as it were. Train up, that's what it means. Train up a child, it says. And that reminds us the need to start early. The window for parenting is a very narrow one. It's very short-lived. The time frame is short. You need to start early. In the way he should go, and literally in the, in the original language, it doesn't say what way that is. It just says train up a child in the way doesn't say what way. Is it His way? The Lord's way? What? Well, if you look at the Proverbs as a whole, every time this word is used about the way, it's talking about the Lord's way, the way of wisdom. And so it's train up the child in the way he should go, and then when he is old, he will not depart from it. A lot of folks get hung up on that last phrase. And we talked last week about Proverbs. And, and whenever we look at a proverb in the proverb, we will discover that the majority of the time, very seldom are these things guaranteed. Typically what they are is generalities. Generally, if you do this, this happens. Generally, if you don't do that, this happens. Generally, if you live wickedly, bad things happen. Generally, if you live rightly, good things happen. It's in terms of generalities. And this isn't a guarantee, but it is a generality. Generally, children will continue in life on the path in which they have been started. Generally, if you and I will be faithful to raise our children, to follow the Lord, to live in wisdom, they will tend to continue in that path even when they are old. And so that's our mission, which raises a big question. If the mission is to train our children up, to, to dedicate them from the beginning, to start them off on the right path and the right foot, how do we do that? And now we'll look at Proverbs chapter 4 and I want to see just a few things there that will be helpful in that. In Proverbs chapter 4, Solomon here uses some words that I think give us some insight into how Solomon engaged his son and provide for us three essential tools that should be in our child training toolkit, our tool chest. If you're going to raise kids, here's three, three ways in which you need to engage them, in which you need to train them. The first word that I'm going to call our attention to is simply teaching. Let me read these first three verses. Hear, O sons of father's instructions... Be attentive that you may gain insight, for I give you good precepts. Do not forsake my teaching. I want to call our attention to two words, and while the topic here is, well, the tool here is teaching, actually neither of the words I'm going to call our attention to is the word teaching. At the beginning of, this, of verse 1, he says, Hear, O sons, a father's instruction. 
Second word I want to call our attention to is the word in verse 2, precepts. Both of these words have to do with the concept, in their original language, these words have to do with the concept of transferring knowledge. It's instruction. We would often use the word for that, teaching. You need to know this, so I'm going to tell it to you. You know, water is wet, ground is hard, don't fall in the water, fall in the water, it it feels better, you know, if that's important knowledge to instill. These words have to do with communicating information and truth and wisdom, and as parents we are always doing that. We're always looking to teach information. We wonder though, what am I supposed to teach? Well, some of the things that we tend to teach, we tend to teach how to ride a bike, how to make your bed. How to tie your shoes. We tend to teach, you know, how to play ball, how to fish. All those things may be good. Some of them may even be important. But wouldn't it be nice if God would simply drop down from heaven? Here's a curriculum. Everything your kids need to know, it's right here. On day one, teach this. Day two, teach that. Wouldn't that be nice? He didn't exactly do that, but He did give us some help. A couple of months ago, we looked at Deuteronomy chapter 6. We noted there that God, speaking through Moses to the people, said, here's one thing above everything else. Here's what you need to teach to your kids. And actually, the one thing is everything that's here. This book of the law, Deuteronomy chapter 6, the Word of God, the Scripture, this, this book of the law should not depart from your mouth. And then he goes through and, and talks about how we are to be diligent to teach our children this by, by having this on our lips all the time. As we go through the dailies, as we, he says, we're to, to write it on the doorposts of our house and on the, on the gate and we're supposed to have it on our hands and foreheads. And we talked about how that's all about how it's all in the dailies about how we live at home, how we go out into the world, how we go out to the business place, how we think and everything we do. Everything is to be saturated with the Word of God. So we teach the Word of God to our children. What are we to teach to our kids? The Word of God. Included in the Word of God is this book of Proverbs. And this book of Proverbs, again, we've noted is a father trying to instill in his son the wisdom, the everything he needs to live skillfully. In other words, I think what God has given here is a great curriculum resource of what we need to teach our children. It's jam-packed full of practical wisdom that your kids need, that we all need if we're going to live skillfully. Just a small sampling of what the book of Proverbs has to offer of a few of the the many things. Here's one. Let your foot seldom be in your neighbor's house lest he have his fill of you and hate you. That's some really good advice. Don't wear out your welcome with your neighbor. Good to go see your neighbor, but, you know, don't move in. You know, like the old rule about guests. You know, they start to stink after three days like dead fish. You know, Here's another one. A fool gives full vent to his spirit, but a wise man quietly holds it back. A fool tells you everything that's on their mind when they're angry, when they're upset, when they're frustrated, when they they let you know. 
A wise person holds it back. It's wise to hold your tongue. Proverbs 20.14 Bad, bad, says the buyer. But when he goes away, then he boasts. This is, in other words, this is how Craigslist works. This is the art of the deal. The guy shows up to buy your bicycle. He looks at your bicycle and says, Oh, that's awful. Look at this. Oh, look at this. This is a piece of junk. You want to sell me this? I should charge you to take this thing away. <laughs> and then he goes away and boasts. You should see the deal I got on this bike. Man, it's just a... He's teaching him the art of the deal. Proverbs 17:28. Even a fool is thought wise if he keeps silent and discerning if he holds his tongue. You may, may not be the sharpest tool in the shed, but if you keep quiet, people think you are. Isn't that good advice? We have a similar one in modern day thing. You know, it says, better have people think you're a fool than open your mouth and remove all doubt. Time to be quiet. Proverbs 15, 1. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. How not to get in a fight. How to disarm an angry person. Do it with gentle words. Calm words. Proverbs eleven twenty two, Like a gold ring in a pig's snout is a beautiful woman who shows no discretion. In other words, beauty is worthless without character. One more. Proverbs 24.12 If you say, Behold, we do not know this. Sounds like politicians. Huh, I didn't know. Really? Who knew? Does not he who weighs the heart perceive it? Does not he who keeps watch over your soul know it? And will he not repay man according to his work? In other words, we can fool people. We can think we fool people. We can lie. We can deceive and think we've covered everything. But you can't fool God. And God holds us accountable for the truth. See, Proverbs is just filled with that type of stuff. It's a curriculum resource. You're looking to build wisdom into your kids. You're looking to become wise. Pour over Proverbs. Dig in. Not only do we learn, do we, do we find it's filled with all kinds of practical wisdom, if we spend some time there, what you'll discover, kind of looking behind what he's saying, moms and dads, all of us as we try to teach others to pass this wisdom on, we'll discover some teaching tips. Well, we'll look at how Solomon teaches. We'll find that, oh, I could use that. Notice that he teaches with variety. There is all kinds of variety of subject matter, but there's all kinds of variety as well of ways of presenting things, tone of voice, style, approach, lots of diversity in the book. We do well when we try to teach to, be, to have all kinds of diversity in, in ways we do things. I notice as well that he uses very short lessons. They are typically in this book just two lines. And right now you're going, man, if only pastors would learn that. And I would say, yeah, and I'll do that with children. Ooh, you're not kids. Okay. But I do get the message. It's shorter is better. I'll try today. 
Third thing I notice, he uses lots of memorable sayings. He uses word pictures, clever expressions, things that, that grab our interest. Huh? Like a ring in a pig's snout. You get that picture in your mind. Helps you remember it. Grabs your attention. He uses engaging thoughts. He doesn't always just put the truth out there in plain words. He, he puts it into a riddle. He puts it into a puzzle. He puts it into something that makes you scratch your head and go, what did he just say? Sometimes the way to be clearest is to be a little unclear. Has to think about it. What did he, what did he mean by that? And then it starts to sink in as we chew on it for a moment. Another little thing to notice, it's obvious as you read through Proverbs that these are the words of a loving and a caring and a patient father who is aiming to draw his son into obedience through love and through compassion rather than a tyrant who is seeking to coerce and to intimidate his son into submission. Which approach of those two do you think is most effective? (laughs) If you as a parent are trying to get your kid to live in wisdom and to follow Christ, we do that best through love and through words that are gentle and that are impassioned and, and are caring rather than being tyrants and angry. See, if you and I are going to be busy teaching our kids in this way, what you realize very quickly is this is a lot of hard work. It's not easy. It's not easy to, first of all, learn the Word of God, then think about how can I relate the Word of God to my children, to my child in a way that he understands, and how can I do this in a way that with variety and keep it short and not where I'm not lecturing and make it memorable and it's engaging. And it's tough stuff. Parents, it's a big job. But if this is hard, the next tool in our toolbox even gets a little harder. The next one, and I'm going to put the word up here before I show us Solomon's words. The next tool I think that needs to be in our toolbox, besides teaching, teaching is relating information, teaching the truth, it's instruction. That's important. The next word is training. I've already said I know it's in the definition. You never define a word by definition or whatever. So I've said, how do we train our children? I put the word training here. But the word training needs some help. But I, let me under, explain what I mean. In this word training, I'm using it in the word of the way a gardener would train with a vine. If you've ever known anybody who's worked with a vine, what the issue is with a vine is vines just tend to grow everywhere. And uh, someone who is dealing with the vine, they want the vine to, say, grow around this rail. And so they, they're twisting it around and they're using little wires and strings and they're training the vine. Between that and using pruning shears, they get the vine to grow where they want the vine to grow. I'm using the word training as the way that I would use it, for example, with my hair. I don't know if your hair is like my hair, but with my hair, whenever I get my hair cut, I am sentenced to a few days of trying to retrain my hair because, uh, and I'm lots of combing and using some spray or some other stuff to just help my hair go so that I don't have rogue hair that's going this direction and others going that direction when it's all supposed to, you know, go like this. You get it? 
See, I'm using the word training in the sense of getting something to go in a way that it's not its natural bent. It's, it's going in a way that's not natural. There's a reason for that, why that's an important part of, of parenting. Because if you hadn't noticed, there's a problem with children. I have five just incredibly sweet grandkids, one on the way, hopefully in the next couple of weeks. Have a, have a sixth grandchild. But I tell you, there's a problem with kids. We don't have to teach them how to get angry and throw temper tantrums. We don't have to teach them how to lie and cover up wrongdoing. We don't have to teach them how to steal. We don't have to teach, you know, any of these things. It just comes naturally. Have you noticed that? The Bible calls it a sin nature. Solomon talks about it in Proverbs, actually two identical Proverbs, 14.12 and Proverbs 16.25. There's a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. In other words, what comes naturally to us will typically kill us. (laughs) There's a way that seems right and what your general inclinations usually are, are wrong. We see it in our kids and it's true in all of us. Solomon's father, David, said this in Psalm 51, verse 5. It says, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. In other words, he says, from my very first moment, I was in nature a sinner. I had a bent towards sin, towards doing the wrong thing. And that tendency towards sin, that proclivity towards the wrong thing needs to be restrained and it needs to be retrained. It needs to be moved from doing the wrong thing to doing the right thing, the good thing. And while teaching is valuable and teaching is indispensable in parenting, it won't do the whole job by itself. And so Solomon in these verses here back in chapter 4, he uses a couple of other words that will help us in this seeing what this aspect of parenting is, training. So let me look at a couple of words that he uses. Verse 2. I started, read verse 2 a minute ago. Let's look at the second half of verse 2. Do not forsake my teaching. Interesting, I'm using the word teaching for the one that's not teaching, but I'll explain in a moment. When I was a son with my father, tender, the only one in the sight of my mother, he, and here's the word again, taught me and said to me, let your heart hold fast my words, keep my commandments and live. See, again, the problem is Solomon uses a lot of words and sometimes the words are used interchangeably like the word teaching is used a lot, but he means different things by it when you look at the Hebrew. He says, do not forsake my teaching." And I know that you don't know Hebrew and most of us don't care, including myself, to really learn Hebrew. But this is a Hebrew word most of you will know. Do not forsake my, and I'll give you the Hebrew word, Torah. You heard that word before? What does that Hebrew word mean? The law. With the first five books of the Bible are often called the Torah. In Hebrew, in English, the law. Do not forsake my law. Now we go down again and in verse 4 he uses that word commandments. 
those two words have a lot to do with training. You see, because we want to protect life and health in our home, we establish boundaries, laws, commandments. Thou shalt not play in the street. Thou shalt not jump off the roof. You see, for the sake of health and safety, we establish commandments. Because kids, by left to themselves, they'll play in the street. They'll jump off the roof. It's what kids do. They do the wrong things. There's a way that seems right to a man. In the end, it will kill him. So we establish laws. Huh. Because we, for, for the sake of the protection of property, we establish boundaries and laws. Don't play baseball in the living room. Don't stand on the furniture. For the sake of sanity, of order and peace in your house, we set boundaries, we set laws, we set commandments. Don't take what isn't yours. Pick up your toys. Flush the toilet. Use your inside voice. Right? See, because the tendency is to do all the wrong things, we have to have commandments and laws to restrain bad behavior and to train right behavior. Now, if you've noticed in your house, because I've noticed in mine, laws and rules, commandments are easy to set up. You notice that? Really easy to make a law. From now on, everybody gets up at six in the morning and does their chores. It's an easy law to make. Where's the problem? <laughs> Carrying it out. And that's where the really the other part of this training comes into view. And Solomon actually doesn't use the word here, but it's a big theme all the way through the book of Proverbs. What goes hand in hand with law and commandments is this. It's discipline. You see, the difficult part of training is getting the, whether it's the vine or my hair or our kids, it's getting them to respond to what you're trying to do. Restrain from bad behavior, train to good behavior. And what's needed for that, Proverbs makes clear, is discipline. It's a big theme in the book. Proverbs thirteen twenty four. Whoever spares the rod hates his son, but who loves him, he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. Proverbs 22.15 Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline drives it far from him. Proverbs 23.13-14 Do not withhold discipline from a child. If you strike him with a rod, he will not die. If you strike him with a rod, you will save his soul from Sheol. If I can summarize what Proverbs says about discipline, it's this. It's that discipline is so important that if you withhold discipline from your children, you, it's the equivalent of hating them. Why is that true? Why is it true that if you love your child, you must be, as the first verse we read there said, you must be diligent, faithful to discipline. Well, because, as this one says, if, you, if they do not learn to respect authority, if they do not learn to obey authority at home, the problem will move on and continue to grow and they will, it will move into spheres where they encounter 
stiffer consequences, and different authorities. And ultimately, they face the judgment of God Himself. So discipline is critical in rearing children as we try to train them. The rod in Proverbs literally refers to a method of physical or corporal punishment. In other words, it refers to a spanking tool that renders temporary and non-damaging pain to a child. The rod in Proverbs also represents a, it's a metaphor and it represents any and all types of discipline that inflicts some sort of pain, not necessarily physical pain, but you know, unpleasant consequences that get the message across, that is not good, I don't like that, and so I will choose to do the right thing. Whether that's time out, loss of privileges, extra chores, whatever, the rod represents discipline as a whole. It includes... It includes corporal or physical punishment. But that being said, the Bible, of course, does not, and Proverbs does not, advocate any sort of physical abuse and child abuse. That's foolishness. Some people have tried to say the Bible does, uh, and it doesn't. You can see just if we go through, and I don't have time to get into this deeply, but biblical discipline is always motivated by love for the child, not by anger or retribution or payback. Proverbs is so clear that we are not to ever act in anger. We are not to ever look for retribution and payback. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord, the Scripture says. Biblical discipline is directed to correct behavior, to, to correct attitude, not to hurt, not to humiliate a child. Biblical discipline is always limited. It's always under control. One of the themes in Proverbs is self-control and, and not being out of control with our temper, not being out of control with anything. And so biblical discipline is always limited, always under control. If biblical discipline, if it's corporal, it, it's always brief, delivers just enough pain to be a deterrent, but not again, not ever cause real damage. The discipline is appropriate to the age of the child. And the discipline is appropriate to the offense. In other words, it understands the difference between willful defiance, no, I hope, and childish irresponsibility. They forgot simply because they're six, they're five, they're 16, they're 36, whatever. <laughs> How do we train our children? Teaching. There's information to be communicated. There is training. There needs to be a restraining wrong behavior and a training to good behavior. And there is one more word that I see here that he uses that is, I think, quite helpful and puts another tool in our arsenal. Look at verse 3. When I was a son with my father, tender, the only one in the sight of my mother, he, verse 4, He taught me and said to me, Let your heart hold fast to my words, keep my commandments, and live. That word taught is again a different word for teach. And it has a very, very profound picture, imagery that goes along with it. This word teach 
in the Hebrew is a word that means to aim. It's a word that's used, it's a word that's used to, to point out something or to, well, it's, it's used specifically in archery. It's, it's as an archer takes a, an arrow and puts it on the bow and he aims it. That's the word here that's used for teach. As my father taught me. He says, in other words, my father aimed me. The purpose of parenting, most of us understand, is not that we, we give birth to children, we have children in our homes, we can raise them up so that we can enjoy their company in our home, in our basement the rest of our lives. The purpose of raising these kids is we're raising them to launch them. Our mission as parents is to raise children to launch them to be independent and to live skillfully, wisely on their own. With that concept here of teaching, just four quick observations as we draw this to a close. The first is that this aspect of teaching recognizes that there needs to be age-appropriate guidance. Because things are going to change as this kid gets older and they get closer and closer and closer to being launched, to being fully independent. Things have to change along the way. The message remains consistent. The message is the same all the way from the cradle to launch. We're teaching about who God is, how to properly relate with Him. The message doesn't change, but the methodologies, the expectations, those things change. We, cannot, we must be continually as parents adapting our, our strategies and our methods as our kids continue to grow. Folks, again, this, this is hard work. Just when you got it figured out, it's, you know, we've got to be on the next thing. Second thing I notice here, Solomon says, when I was a son with my father, tender, the only one on the side of the mother, he taught me. And my dad, he aimed me. He launched me. But look down at verse 11. Verse 11 says, I have taught you the way of wisdom. I have led you in the paths of righteousness. What Solomon just did in this, in this section is he built a connection. He connects three generations. He says, My father, David, aimed me, and now I have aimed you. I'm about to launch you. Three generations. He sets here a family connection. We got roots. We got a family heritage. We're connected to something that is bigger than us. We do well to instill the concept of heritage in our kids. Our aim, at least if, if you're believers in Christ, I hope it's your aim to raise up kids who follow Jesus Christ, who raise up another generation of kids who follow Jesus Christ, who raise up the next generation of kids who follow Christ. What you're looking to do is create a heritage. Some of us are the product of heritage. I can look back in my family generations back of men and women who love Jesus Christ with all their heart and that heritage was passed down. And they didn't fall on deaf ears in my little heart as a kid. And I come from folks who love Jesus. You know what? My family is hoping that I'm going to love Jesus and follow Jesus and I'm going to keep the heritage going. That wasn't lost on me as a kid. 
whether you come from a long heritage like that or you're the first generation of folks who are believing in Christ and you're looking to build that heritage, we do well to connect our kids to a heritage, instill in them that concept of family. That we have family responsibility to one another, not just to take care of each other in our old age. I try to remind my kids of that at every opportunity. Thank you, both my kids are here this morning. I just <laughs> but also we have the responsibility to honor the family by living well. So moms, dads, I think I think building roots is a big part of this, aiming our kids. I also notice here in verse eleven, Solomon says, not just I have aimed you in the way of wisdom. But you see what he said second, verse 11? I have led you in the paths of righteousness. See, example is always huge. Our kids tend to hear our example always louder than our words. We don't just need to tell them, go that way. We need to lead the way. Lastly, since parenting is preparing to launch, again, we need to always keep in mind that there's an urgency here. This time of parenting is temporary and it is quite short. All of us whose kids are grown, we cannot believe how quick those days went by. Those of you who have kids at home, I know you're constantly surprised at just how quick the years are going by. Those of you who are just beginning families or don't have family yet, understand now, you've got to get busy now. <laughs> As we saw in that verse, Proverbs 22, he says, train up a child, begin early because the time is short. Parents, you need to invest, you need to make the most of these few years you have with your kids. Grandparents, your kids are grown, but you've got the next generation coming. Do everything you can as grandparents to invest in encouraging your kids and as they parent in encouraging your grandkids and pointing them to Christ. Uncles, aunts, cousins, older siblings, invest in the next generation. The time is short and it matters. You don't have kids at home. You don't have kids. Sarah challenged us earlier. Church, be involved in the next generation. They're all our kids if we're part of the family of God. If we're part of the family of Christ. We need to be involved. I love this time of year as I see so many of you. You go to junior camp. You go to youth camps. You get involved in vacation Bible school. I love that. I love seeing how many of you serve in Awana. So many of you serve in the nursery. So many of you serve in, uh, in children's church. If you're not involved there, consider getting involved in one of those. We need you. In youth groups, invest in the next generation. Maybe you're not involved in any of those things, but get, in, get to know a young couple who's got kids at home and befriend them. Come alongside and just be someone who encourages them and prays for them. Just give some kind words. I know sometimes it's challenging. You think that you are losing your mind. Then there's days you're sure you're losing your mind. I want you to understand you will get through this. And I'll pray for you. 
And can I help babysit sometime? Our young couples need that. Much more that could be said, but I'm going to stop there. Proverbs. Wisdom for parents, wisdom for kids, wisdom for all of us. I want to end with verse 13 as a conclusion. I said we'd do verse 13, so I'm going to do it. Keep hold of instruction. Do not let her go. Guard her, for she is your life. Ultimately, this book of Proverbs isn't just about parenting. And it's not even about a father who's trying to reach his son. It's about God, our Father, who is trying to reach every one of us with the wisdom we need to live life skillfully. Not just wisdom to be better people. Not just wisdom to have a better life. But so that we might have a relationship with Him. And so we might have a new heart to deal with that whole sin problem that's got us messed up from the beginning that David talked about. Please don't miss the message of Proverbs and really of all of Scripture, nor the invitation that God has for you today. God loves us so much, He sent His Son to be a Savior. So we might have forgiveness of sin, a relationship with Him, and life forever. Let's pray. Father, thank You for this book. What a blessing it is. What a marvelous message. (laughs) Ultimately, it's the message in all of Scripture. It's about how to have a relationship with You. And then, how to live these days wisely. So that when we arrive in heaven by Your grace through our faith in Christ, we have we can present to you, as Moses wrote in Psalm 90, a heart of wisdom, a life well lived. May we take these words and put them into practice. May you in your grace give grace to each one of these folks here that are moms and dads. They're struggling in the trenches trying to raise their kids and point their kids to Christ to live well. Give them grace. Give them strength. Give them wisdom. Give them understanding. Give them rest. Some of them just need that. And help the rest of us to come alongside and partner with them. That together we see from this church a generation, the next generation come up who follows you and who if Jesus Christ doesn't come back before then, they raise up another generation who loves Jesus and lives for Him. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.